Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. So the way this ultimately broke was prosecutors and the SEC, the feds were looking at a pump and dump scheme. So a securities fraud case. And one of the guys involved in that agreed to plead and he was brought in to the prosecutor's office in Boston. And as part of a plea agreement, you kind of have to go in and air all of your dirty laundry, right? If you're going to be a a witness for the prosecution, they want to know that they can trust you and something, some dirty secret from your past isn't going to come up while you're on the witness stand. So he's got to just talk about absolutely everything. And they ask him, you know, we're noticing in your financial statements, some money moving from your account to this account in Connecticut. What's up with that? His response was along the lines of, oh, I'm paying Yale's women's soccer coach to get my daughter into school. (laughs) No big deal. And they were like, okay, um, good to know. And, you know, kept asking questions. And then as soon as they could, you know, ran down the prosecutor, ran down the hall to his boss's office, like, you're never going to guess what I just heard. Because, I mean, bribing an Ivy League coach is just so delicious that they knew that they wanted to pursue that a little bit further. Back to Fraudsters, everyone. I'm Cena Gaznavi at Cena Now on all social media. Justin Williams is here at Justin Williams Comedy. Uh, he's on Instagram now. Look out for him. He's posting beautiful photos from the club and fancy dinners. Justin, how are you? Oh, I'm good, Cena. It's so good to see you. And I can't wait to get even deeper into the Rick Singer saga. <laughs> Well, we're going to be wrapping it up today because last week we left off and he had just flipped on everybody. Rick Singer was turned rat and he was going to flip on everyone, all these sweet, loving, delightful, caring parents that just wanted the best for their children. Rick Singer was going to rat on all of them. But when I first read about this, I thought, how? Why would anyone actually stop this gravy train from rolling? Who would actually flip on Rick Singer when it had to do with their kids? Well, like anything else, you flip when you're facing jail time. And what happened was, and you heard it in the top of the show, someone got pinched for a pump and dump scheme in Boston, and the part of the plea deal was giving up Rick Singer. 
Now, who was this guy? That's this is what I thought, right? Because everyone was just like, "Oh, it's pump and dump." They just kept it moving, right? It's just well, this casual thing. It happens all the time. But you know, here at Froster's research-based show, we are trying to figure out who this person was. So I found out that it was a guy actually by the name of Maury Tobin, and this is the what. By the way, Maury Tobin is that not the classic pump and dump scheme name? He sounds. Like Maury Tobin, pump and dump extraordinaire. I feel <laughs> like there's a commercial there somewhere. So Maury was a loving father who got several of his kids into school through Rick Singer. So again, why is he flipping? It's the pump and dump. So let's get into this thing. How did Maury get busted? Now, a lot of people didn't cover this in detail, but to me, I really think this is one of the coolest parts of the story. Yes, yes, man does a bad thing, flips on Rick Singer, then Singer flips on everybody. But here's how it went down. Maury has six kids who used Rick Singer to get into school. Not just a few. I was wrong. Six. That's a lot okay. of money. So he had a... <laughs> just to have so six kids, period. Money. But then to actually pay like bribes to get those six kids into college. It's like money on top of money. You know what? People like parents are always just like, oh man, like college is so expensive. And this guy's like, you have no idea how expensive college is. <laughs> I could have bought Costa Rica for the amount it cost me to put six kids through school. <laughs> Pura vida. Uh, so he had a great relationship with Rick Singer. He loved Rick Singer. Concurrently, though, Maury Tobin was a very shady motherfucker. He owned substantially and controlled all of the stock in two publicly traded companies. They were called Environmental Tec- Technology Holdings, Inc., and Cure Pharmaceutical Holding Group, yeah. which are to sound like scams in and of themselves. What these are actually publicly traded companies. These companies do exactly what you think. They uh, are they're holding groups that invest in different companies under those categories. But and and that's not illegal, right? That's a very common thing that that happens in the world. But Tobin didn't just jump on his Robin Hood account and and buy controlling interests in these companies. He used, oh, God, this gets so good. Maury is such a, oh, I love, love me some Maury. He used a Swiss international law firm to help hide his ownership of these companies. The Swiss firm made it look like a bunch of unaffiliated companies and individuals owned shares of these companies when in reality it was Maury Tobin. Then they used an investment firm run by a guy named Roger Knox again. Who wrote these names up? I don't know, but these were these were born to be criminals. <laughs> everybody, everybody sounds like they work at Fox News. In yeah, this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if there's a Gavin that pops up here, we're going to end the show. Uh, then, <laughs> then, so they used this uh, firm uh, run by a guy named Roger Knox, and he took these stocks and deposited them in a variety of brokerage accounts. All right, so. Just to review real quick, because this is kind of crazy. You go to an invest, you go to a law firm, you say, I want to get all these, all the monies in all of these companies. The law firm goes to this investment firm. They say, okay, no problem. So through the lawyer, you now have a layer of security. You go to the investment firm. The investment firm now puts a little bit of money in all these different buckets, and all of those different buckets buy shares of these companies. So an investment firm has a bunch of stocks assigned to different, literally fake people. 
So Roger Knox, again, running this investment firm, buys a bunch of stock through fake people that he created through these fake accounts. Oh, my God. The type of account that was used was called an omnibus brokerage account. I This is just insane. So these are accounts, believe it or not, that you don't have to reveal the identity of the beneficial owner. What does that mean? So it's like you, you literally can go through an intermediary, buy stock, but they don't get to know who the original person is. And of course, there are things that you have to attest to that like <laughs> you're not doing anything illegal, that you're not actually doing a pump and dump scheme, that you're not actually creating fake people, all this stuff, right? <laughs> You have to check a box that says, I have not created an Ameritrade uh, account under the name Oswald Cobblepot that (laughs) has bought 5,000 shares of Tesla. Yeah. Yeah. So this gives perfect cover for Knox because no one will ask who the actual beneficial owner of these stocks was. So then Tobin, meanwhile, it's Tobin, right? Tobin pays promoters, literal club promoters. I don't think it's actual club promoters. I wanted it to be club promoters because when I read promoters, that's all I could think of was just like club promoters that hit you up on the street. They're like, you want a table service tonight? (laughs) (laughs) Come down to Club Pump and Dump. We got $200 (laughs) bottles of Hennessy, $500 of Moet. We got a... But women get in free. (laughs) Yeah. Women get in free after midnight. We got Samantha Ronson DJing, and then also, the situation is going to come in and do a set. You know, is that like I'm just thinking about that? How problematic that is when they were just like, after ten, ladies get in free. It's like, are we? Is that really just like, like lamb to the slaughter at that point? I think that's kind of an issue. No, I think it's a good idea, man. It, you know, the worst <laughs> club in the world is when you just look around and it's a sea of men. Men should never be anywhere in groups. So it's actually. It may be sexist or whatever, but you need gender parity because, like, literally a club becomes the most dangerous place in the world when there are no women there. Like, if you take women out of a club, it immediately becomes the Royal Rumble in there. (laughs) Out of a hetero club. Let's just be clear right Oh, that's right. No, no, yeah, 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 yeah. If it's not a hetero club, the more men, the the, the more, way more fun. The better. Yeah, better. Yeah, yeah, way more fun. Yeah, Yeah. way better. (laughs) So, Tobin pays these promoters to pump the stock up, creating a buying frenzy. And then when the stock rose, he sells all of his shares through Knox and all these intermediaries. Everyone involved gets a piece. The scheme itself generates $165 million in illegal sales of stock, with Tobin and his homies making $15 million in profit, which I guess is good. Fifteen million on one hundred and sixty-five. I mean, we're talking millions of dollars here. And if it's just paperwork and make call, make it a few calls. I guess that's fine. I don't know. I guess that's a good return on your illegal investment. So, but here's the thing. So Toba gets pitched for account of conspiracy to commit securities fraud, right? So he worked with other people and one count of actual securities fraud. So you did the deed and you worked with others to do it, $50,000 fine, forfeit $4 million, and he's sentenced to one year and one day. The shortest sentence for a federal felony that's allowable. Why? Because he flipped. Not just on the crew that he worked with, because when he did that, they were like, yo, that's not enough. We were going to get them anyways. You got to give us more than that. 
So he goes, huh, let me think. What other fucking criminal-ass people do I know? And he's like, well, you know, there's Rick Singer. Once the <laughs> And they were like, what do you mean? Who's Rick Singer? He's like, and he just goes and tells them all about how he's been using Rick Singer and paying off these coaches to get his kids through school. <laughs> so once the feds picked... <laughs> so funny, just like tell, like, <laughs> just tell everything. Yeah, every, it's just like, oh, yeah. And, but then you don't, don't you think you're like, you got six kids that you got into school through this. What is that going to, is it going to fuck their life up? I mean, I guess it'd be worse if dad went to prison for a long time, but. Yeah, I think the least of his worries were, you know, the fate of his fake tennis player daughter that goes to Duke. I think he was thinking about Leavenworth, <laughs> federal lockdown, <laughs> joining a gang. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Priorities at that point. But but check it. Once Rick Singer gets picked up by the feds, it didn't take long for Singer to just also flip. In fact, that competitive spirit that Rick Singer had that made him such a like monster coach, that made him like a successful college counselor. He actually applied that same type of thinking and that same attitude to being an informant. He literally wanted to be the he was he was trepidatious at first, apparently, but once he got into it, he was a beast. He was a machine. And so he wanted to be the best informant possible. So he's calling people constantly. And that's how we got all of these transcripts done of Rick Singer calling these people. And if you've watched the Netflix documentary with Matthew Modine, or if you've listened right here on Frosters with our own Matthew Modine, Ed Larson, <laughs> uh, you'll hear a lot of the transcripts, a lot of the things he said from the wiretaps. So Rick Singer, single-handedly, with his competitive spirit, brings down almost 50 people in relation to the college admissions scandal. And right now, we're actually still waiting on sentencing for Singer, but the government has recommended uh, three years supervised release and uh, some fines and forfeiture. I like it that he's like the Michael Jordan of snitching. Like he's like, I saw Maury told and I took it personal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Michael Jordan crying. <laughs> yeah, man. So I, I found that to be really amazing that like you, you think this is such a secure. Not even not even anyone thought it was a scam. They just thought it was just a normal thing that you would just not talk about. But then one weak link, one guy pushed it too far. Also, maybe Maury needed to pay, you know, for all of these kids to get into school. I mean, maybe the $15 million just left his bank account immediately <laughs> to go pay for all these things. I mean, he had to cover these costs. Yeah, but what about the full house lady and all of that stuff? Well, Justin... Uh, I'm glad you asked because there are so many parents and there's the, the network of people. There's just so – there's too many. There's too many for us to cover in just three episodes. So what we wanted to do is we wanted to have a little fun and we wanted to do a little fraudster's roulette for the Varsity Blues scandal. What we're going to do is we have a roulette wheel. We're actually going to bring in producer Hazel. Brian, welcome, Hazel. Hi, thank you. Hazel's going to help us uh, navigate the roulette wheel as well as uh, the people that we're going to cover. Because it's just, uh, guys, it's too many. It's too many fucking people. And, like, maybe we'll hit the full house lady. You know, maybe we'll hit other people. You know, I, I really don't care. They're all equally fraudulent to me. And so if we hit them up, great. If not, I think we'll probably do them in some um, happy hour content, bonus content or something like that. I think that'll be fun. All right, so 
Let's get into Fraudsters Roulette. All right. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and share my screen here so we can all look at the wheel together. Since that's half the fun. We've got like, uh, I think around 40 parents to choose from. Can we make bets too? Can you put bets chips down for us? I think we can. Yeah, I think we should make uh, we should make bets on numbers. And if we win, winner gets a six pack. If your number hits, how about that? And the and the and the audience has to pay for it. How does that sound, listeners? Does that sound good? You have to buy one of us a six pack if we hit one of our numbers. I, I'm glad you all agree. I'll take your silence as agreement. All right. What do you guys want to bet on, Justin? I'm going black seventeen. I will go for red 23. Okay, let's spin the wheel. So satisfying. Black 11. Black 11 is Robert Flaxman, a Southern California real estate developer who paid $315,000 to a key worldwide foundation, the uh, fake nonprofit. So he, his kid was an athlete. But he took an ACT with Mark Rydell as the proctor, and there was another Rick Singer student in the room with him. And so in the room, Mark Rydell is telling them, okay, answer the questions differently and incorrectly in these certain ways so they don't have the exact same results, which is unbelievable. And so he did all this, $315,000, cheated on the ACTs, all to get accepted into UCSD as an athletic recruit. And he's actually an athlete, the kid, as opposed to the other kids who were like, weren't playing the sport at all. UCSD's admission rate, 30%, just over 30%. So what is that, Justin? That's not so bad. That's, I mean, it's sort of selective, but yeah. that's not, that's not hype. That's not as hyper selective as, as, an, as an Ivy League school. It's not $300,000 bribery level of an admissions curve, especially for someone that already plays a sport. Un- <laughs> Yeah. If he was good enough to be a scholarship athlete in this sport, this is like an extremely dumb use of money. Unless the rationale is the student's an athlete and not necessarily good enough to play in college. So you're bribing them just to get them on the team. Then yeah, that to maybe be like makes a bench sense. warmer. Yeah. But even then, that's also an extraordinarily insane use of money because there's no return on investment for that. It's not like the kid's going to, oh, he wasn't good enough to play on the team. I, I got him as a 12th man, and now he's a lottery pick in the NBA, yeah. so I got all my money back. It's like a person's <laughs> just never going to play. It's just – it seems – that was – that's strange. Robert Flaxman, he, by the way, he got a month and a day in prison. Uh, before we move away, I just want to get a visual on this guy. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Oh. Oh, hello, Robert Flaxman. Robert Flaxman looks like an older Simon Pegg who is also a conservative member of the British Parliament. Hello, uh, the distinguished gentleman of Mr. Flaxman is up next to speak. <laughs> Isn't it true that you paid 315 pounds to earn admission for your already athletic child into a moderately selective school in Southern California. If being a loving parent is a crime, then I stand before the parliament guilty as charged. <laughs> but, sir, if, if, if you loved as much as you say, could, 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 could you... Could, could? <laughs> <laughs> what? What? What happened? Wait a minute, what happened? 
<laughs> Did you break your brief? Yeah, I know, Joe. He broke. Okay. Broke Justin. Robert Flaxman broke Justin. All right, let's go to the next one. For up, for up, for up, for up. Do you guys want to put bets down? Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. I'll go to red seven. Red seven. Usually, like, when I play roulette, whatever hits, I usually bet following that. Just because it'll hit hit again. Okay, what you got, Justin? I'm gonna go black thirty eight because that's what I am. No, there is no thirty eight, dude. Oh, there's no. <laughs> oh, this is what? No. Do you want the zero I'll, or double black thirty six? Okay, all right. There's zero and double zero yeah. too, so don't forget that. I'm a I'm a, I'm a black thirty six <laughs> in Brooklyn in New Jersey. You are are you black in thirty six? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take a couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This is so satisfying. All Red right. 34. Oh, yeah, this guy. 34 is Gordon Ernst, the head men's and women's tennis coach yeah. at Georgetown, who paid Singer $2.7 million in consulting fees between 2007 and 2018. Okay, so this isn't a parent. No, no, no. Singer paid him $2.7 million in consulting fees. So, right. So this guy is actually great. He was a by the book, super passionate tennis coach. The tennis team did extremely well at Georgetown. He was like really dedicated to the team, worked super hard, always like kind of like singer, always wearing tennis clothes all the time. And his budgets kept getting cut. He kept not getting appreciated for being the tennis coach that he was. And he, Rick Singer saw that they saw, he saw the insecurity. He saw the, the kind of like the, the lack of respect that Gordon Ernst was getting. So eventually Rick Singer was able to convince him like, Hey, you deserve this money. Sure. You're going to, you know, get a couple people onto the team for me, but you deserve this money. This money's going to go to your program. And Gordon Ernst did spend some of the money on his tennis team, right? He did spend it on it, but he also spent, you know, took it himself as well. But he he was one of those guys. This is really where the reality distortion field comes in. It's like, and like the fraud triangle, right? He's got the opportunity. He's got the rationalization. He's got all of these, these kind of pieces are starting to come together. And the pressure of just not being respected, oof, boom. That's how it happens. He ended up being charged with three counts of federal bribery, three counts of filing false tax returns, aiding and abetting wire and mail fraud, racketeering conspiracy, mail fraud conspiracy, federal programs. So I think his trial's going on right now. I don't think uh, he's been sentenced yet. Let's take a look at Gordon Ernst. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was really suspicious uh, that despite all the budget cuts one year, the tennis team's tour bus showed up with 24-inch spinning rims on them. (laughs) Or else the suspicion. Look at that. Look at that. Great form on that backhand. The arm should be extended a little bit more. He's taking that a little too too close to the body there. But look at that. Look at that flex. Yeah. It's hard for me to, like, really conceptualize what an under-resourced tennis team would look like. Just because it seems like that's kind of a few materials kind of sport. It's amazing. If the tennis coach gets uh, $2 million, it's like so amazing, like how much money there is. Like $2 million would be like the top head coach in college basketball would be like a $2 million a year deal. I'm in the wrong profession. I need to go get to an elite school and teach like badminton or something like that and and just be a corrupt badminton coach or something. We'll be right back. 
Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Okay, so we're back. This is how it's going to work. We're going to keep this rolling here. What are our picks? Justin, who, who do you, what number? What's your number? I'm going 18 red. All right. All right I'm going to go red, red seven for me. Red seven for me. I'm going to go five. Okay, let's do it. Round and round we go. Black 24. Getting a lot of high numbers here. All right. Not much on PJ. 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 Peter Jan. PJ Santorio. A Bay Area packaged food entrepreneur who paid $15,000 to Key Worldwide Foundation uh, to have Mark Rydell proctor the ACT for Peter's kid. This guy sounds like actually like a little bit more sympathetic in the way that like, you know, if he's a Bay Area packaged food entrepreneur, it sounds like he uh, sells Lunchables in Oakland and has made like a good amount of money doing it. And he got his 15K together just to fix this test so his kid could do something bigger than the snack packs that he's selling in Oakland. <laughs> <laughs> and then also they, they gave him Peter Jan, so he had to change his name to PJ because he, he sounded cooler but than the Jan because they used to make fun of him growing up in East Oakland. Because they used to call him Janet. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. This guy's—he just got probation. I mean, it does, I think that's the reason. I mean, you know, just to inflate a ACT test score. Let's uh, see the picture of him. Gosh. Oh, he looks so upset. He's frustrated. Oh, yeah. You know, and this is why Rick Singer was was so adamant about being a a, a perfect rat. He got guys that only gave him fifteen grand and got him on the horn. <laughs> Jesus. Wow. It doesn't sell Lunchables in Oakland. That's what the Washington yeah. Post is letting us know. That is not. all right. Let's let's go back again. Thank you, Peter. I'm sorry that you uh, got probation, but that's I guess you got off pretty easy. D little wins again. All right, fuck this game. Let's do it. Where's it? Oh, new game. Okay. More yeah, hits. I didn't like our more score. Hits. Oh, what do you do? Don't press. Oh my god. There we go. Red. Uh, going with red seven again. Well, you split the double zero on the three. Interesting play, Hazel. Interesting. Oh, what? All right, Justin, what is your... <laughs> Black 11. All right. Round and round it goes. Uh, 
29 is Robert Zangrillo, who was oh, yeah. the founder of Dragon Global Management. Wait, wow. Okay, Dragon. There's a red flag. There's <laughs> yeah. a fucking red flag right there, people. <laughs> uh, Miami Development and Investment Company. Okay. Robert paid $200,000 to Key Worldwide Foundation and $50,000 to the USC Women's Athletics, which I think huh. is that uh, Donna... Donna. Yeah, Donna Hennel. Donna Hennel. Okay, so this is the first we're seeing of Donna Hennel, who is one of the major sports administrators at USC. Yeah, she was the athletic director at that time, right? Is that is that right? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, she was amazing. She was so the the con that she was really good at, which I really I thought this was a real just so, so funny for me, is that everyone thought she was a hard ass, that she was by the book, that you if you got it through Donna, oh my. God. God, you must have had your shit together. Donna was so strict with all the rules. All the administrators thought, okay, Donna is it. So she established that she was this trusting force. And so anything that came through Donna just got the stamp of approval immediately. And so that's how she was able to get so much done at USC. It was very much like Jane Lynch vibes, I feel like, the way that people described her. So his daughter Mm -hmm. got admitted to USC for crew. After originally being rejected from USC, Singer told Zangrill his daughter could be designated as a crew transfer. She's so good at crew that she could transfer in. We need mm. we need top-notch mm-hmm. talent. Her original application said nothing about rowing. <laughs> <laughs> and then it later said that she rowed 44 hours per week, 15 weeks per year. Wow. I don't even know how you do that. How is that even possible? Wait, but this is the best fucking part about this guy. We didn't even get to the good. What? We need a picture before before you. Okay, break the yeah, news. yeah, good idea, good idea, good idea. Oh my god, Martin Fox still up. Get rid of this guy, Robert Zangrillo, which is also just an awesome name. Zangrillo of Dragon Company. Oh, this guy looks like a dragon. Yeah. <laughs> Is that a dragon noise? I don't even know what I just did. Maybe that's more dragon-esque. Look at that portrait. Look at that. You know, the hero shots, a little bit lower than the eye line, make you look more prominent like a hero. Oh, God, Dragon Global. All right, so here is the beautiful, beautiful meat on this guy. The White House under Trump actually pardoned this guy in the last hours of Trump's presidency. Uh, They said that he was a well-respected business leader and philanthropist and said that Miss Zagrilla, his his, uh, daughter, did not have others take standardized tests for her, (laughs) comparing his daughter to others. No, no, they just had someone sit for an art history uh, class uh, for her. And then the Trump White House also said that Miss Zangrillo is currently earning a 3.9 GPA at USC, but the university said in a statement that Ms. Zagrillo no. was not currently enrolled there. <laughs> Wait, so the White House, in his defense of his daughter, was like, she's yeah. actually just doing really well up. at USC, and then so the she's not even enrolled. fraudster in chief used lies to get another fraudster a pardon when he didn't even need to use any lies, by the way. He did not wow. have to lie or anything. No one can stop him from doing a pardon, yet he chose to lie anyways. So why are these guys connected? Sangrillo and Trump are business associates working together on real estate in Miami. And they've done that in the past, and I'm sure wow. they're going to do it again in the future. Amazing. It's all about relationships, people. Dot, who you know. <laughs> 
I and I like it too because the lie is just like also a bad lie. It's like, hey, let's she's she's doing well. How well is she doing? Well, let's not say 4.0. That'd be a little yeah, yeah, too much. Crazy. Oh, she has a 3.9, which is like, you know, it's just like equally <gasps> is like hard. Like, let's put that she has a 3.3. Three, three. Yeah, yeah, let's put she has a 3.95. No, no one's going to believe that either. 3.9 even. Yeah. Also to minimize the con of like sitting in a class every single week for an entire semester as it, like as a comparison to taking a test one time, I feel like yeah. it's pretty misguided as well pretty awful and i'm just gonna put this out there i like i don't have any evidence of any of this but i mean i'm not gonna put it out there maybe i'll just say we should look into it now that i know that him and trump are miami real estate business associates i want to see if this guy's linked to that building collapse Ooh, i oh, like it i don't i feel like that's a long shot but i that is a long i'm shot. on we this can... journey with you it's a long yeah. shot until it, but, but, this was so funny. It's a long shot until you find out this guy got pardoned by the president. Yeah. Then he that that's a long shot. Like some guy like faking his daughter because community college has like links to the highest levels of power. I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I just I just want to draw more connections between things I've read. Yeah, 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 yeah. Sure. Oh, sure, Miami sure, investor sure. Robert's accused of running a DMV scam. Oh, geez, this guy may have to be an episode. This guy may have to be an episode one. How do you run a DMV scam? What do they like uh, say if you pay this much, there's no lines and there's good service in there? Like, oh my god, it's just like a real DMV when you well, go. Here's a good thing, people. If 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 you're ever going to invest your money, and the uh, the logo or name includes like a ferocious mystical beast, mm-hmm. be aware. Be it's a red flag. Avoid this. They probably won't care much about your money. All right. Uh, let's move on. Next one. Next, next, next bet here. Let's go. Here we go, baby. <laughs> Fuck this dealer. We have not won yet, by the way. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm going for five. I'm sticking with seven. I'm going twenty black. Okay, <laughs> confident. Here we go. Around and around it goes. Come on, seven. Red eighteen. Uh, All right, uh, Hazel. Let us know who red. 18 is okay red 18 is michelle janovs janovs oh yes okay this is perfect i was hoping we would land on this because this is the heiress to the hot pocket empire oh god so i think this calls for a hot pocket commercial viewing oh yeah let's go relevant but it would be fun when you want a hot meal without a big deal what are you gonna pick hot Hot pockets Hot Pockets, filled with delicious pepperoni pizza, chicken and cheddar, or ham and cheese in a crispy pocket. When it's late at night and you want a tasty bite, what are you going to pick? Diabetes. 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 You know, lean pockets, Jesus. You know, I think you could probably in like a few hundred years trace back America's downfall starting right around this commercial. <laughs> when you're working four jobs and you've got four kids to feed, but you're not home, give them a hot pocket. <laughs> if you want to burn your lip on cheddar and cheese, what do you bite out of the microwave? A hot pocket. <laughs> when you've given up on life and you've had a divorce, you're watching Maury at home eating a hot pocket. <laughs> All right, Hazel, what did, what did Michelle do with all this money oh god she sold oh sold the company to nestle 
for two mm. billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. only thing more evil. This, I think Nestle is probably the most evil company in the world. Their hot cocoa is ground up black babies. <laughs> she paid uh, the Key Worldwide Foundation to change the ACT scores of both her daughters and then paid $50,000 to Donna Heinel, who we just talked about, to pretend that one of her daughters was a beach volleyball player. Man, aren't there just two people on a beach volleyball team? Like, like, isn't it just two on two beach volleyball? I think it's four on four. Oh, four on four. Still, that's a, such a few. Like, how do you? It's just how do you fake something? Like, I could get sometimes if you got to ride the bench, but there, there's it's four people, two people. It's unbelievable. Uh, Sina, what, uh, it looks like there's a note in here about her daughter's conception oh, of I see. the Oh, I see. Oh, yeah. Her older daughter knew about the scheme and was fine with it, but Jan... Janvest feared her younger daughter, who was more studious, would catch on. Her older daughter didn't tell the younger daughter what their parents were doing or the scheme in general, which Janvest chalked up to weird family dynamics. Wow. Get ready for that therapy bill, younger daughter. You're going to need it. Uh, I'm sorry you went through that. Older daughter, uh, you're probably fun to party with. Jesus Christ, what's wrong with you? Uh, <laughs> what the fuck? Yikes! Don't, don't tell her she's a nerd. <laughs> yeah. Don't tell don't tell little girl she's a nerd. She doesn't know how to party like I do. Lisa Simpson Bart Simpson relationship going on. Jeez. So her net worth, Michelle's, is about fifty million dollars, and in spite of that, she paid for her kids to be fake athletes and go to USC. And ended up being sentenced to two years of supervised release and 200 hours of community service, as well as the $250,000 I mean, that's a drop in the bucket for what she did. That is literally nothing. Just two years of supervised release, so you got to check in with somebody. 200 hours of community service. She could run some fundraisers for that. And then the fine, it's absolutely nothing. $50 million. It's just, like, remarkable that a person with $50 million in the bank would ever be like, but I need my kid to go to USC. Right. That's, that's just the thing. So- that's, and that's what's amazing about it. When you get in there, you're, the other kids are going. It doesn't even matter how much money you have in the bank at that point. It's just what what is the measuring stick that you're putting up against your kid and other kids, you know? And that's, like, how they all brag to each other at the country club, I guess. Mm. Justin? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it's totally cultural commodity stuff, right? It's like Marquette would take your kid, and your kid would be yeah. just as educated, or, you know, they're fine. But it's like Marquette has no cachet down at the Orange County uh, golf ball Tom Collins parties. Yo, I'm going to a golf ball party this week. It's going to be great, man. I'm going to get real fucked up at this golf ball party. <laughs> Uh, yeah, whatever. What are people doing? What would you say to a parent who like poo pooed you for having a kid who is only going to Marquette? Yeah, exactly right. Would that wouldn't even happen like that. Uh, so, so number one, I live in urban New Jersey, so that person <laughs> uh, we, we would never interact anyway. Like those people, just like their world is so much about uh, transactional relationships mm. that they wouldn't even see me as an entity. Uh, but that's <laughs> fine because like they're dumb. Yeah, like you're paying. A million dollars to get your kid into USC, like, you, like you could throw your money in a river and it would be a more useful, yeah, amount of money. Like this kid's not going to do anything. Like, why you're paying a million dollars for a child's education and then they're not even going to class, so they're not learning anything. Yeah, it's like they're not like they're not going to invent hot pockets. Like they just get to they they just get to be a part of social circles uh, that they did not earn their way into in any way. Like they, they get to, they get to stay in their bubble. 
So it's like the worst thing ever. You're paying money to stay in something mm-hmm. that has no real meaning and doesn't contribute to anything. You know what I mean? Mm. Their whole world is a mirage and like they risk everything and their reputations for like peer pressure. Yeah. I mean, I think the, I, the one thing that's nice about growing older is that you don't hang out with people you don't want to fucking hang out with. Yeah. And like these people are exactly the kind of people I don't care how wealthy they are. It's just I would just not even know what to talk about with them. I couldn't even hang out. They're the kind of people that take pride in who they don't associate with. Yeah. It's like those are the worst people in society. <laughs> I, actually, I kind of take pride in who I don't associate with. It's them. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. Literally, you guys are doing that right now. I would never be friends with that person. Except they're bad. Except they're bad people. And it's not broad swaths of people bad. based on yeah. where they went to school or where they went. It's, it, you know, it's like, it's like, no, I don't want to hang out in a gated community. Like, I don't want to imprison myself as a form of recreation yeah. in society. You know what I mean? Like, I like baller things, but I have baller friends that are nice. I have baller friends that will hang out. It's not not just hating rich people. It's hating a certain type of rich person. That, and, it, and it's also, you're noticing the thread here, everybody's also recently rich. This is the nouveau riche yeah. trying to, like, access their way into, like, an older elite. Like, older elite people are the fun rich people because they don't have any of the insecurities <laughs> that these people have. They don't have to pay anything because they literally bought the building in the 1700s. So they're locked in for the rest of their life. You know what I mean? They've got Older that. rich people are so much better. I would hang out with George W. Bush over every single one of these people. Any day. George W. Bush has no insecurities. Like, especially before he, you know, had his, you know... We came back to Christ. He was like in- insanely fun yeah. guy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and and he'd hug you and speak Spanish with you. Yeah. And you know what I mean? Like, the, but these people, they're, they're like, oh, they're turning their nose up. But they're, but they're like, they're less than one generation off the street. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you also notice a lot of people, I would say, like, I'm just kind of like spitballing here. But if you look ethnically at a lot of people too, it's also about people that are trying to access like a level of whiteness too. Mm-hmm. Right. Like that's like a thing about like America where it's like yeah. people that are real, like not that far from the boat start doing all these things to sort of like move themselves into like new social categories. And it's like those, you know, it's like that's. That's okay, but if I like if I hang out with you, I want to hang out with your people and your like. I want to go to Little Italy. Yeah, I don't want to hang out at some weird tennis club that you constructed to like you know get away. You know what I mean? It's like if I want to hang out with like rich black people, I don't want to go to a Jack and Jill bar. I think it also speaks to just like the system that our country runs. So like capitalism makes you assimilate into capitalism as opposed to people like you know holding onto their culture and bringing people into their culture. It's like. Whiteness and capitalism kind of go hand in hand to a certain extent, and it's just this thing that's like the language of capitalism is a is a form of country club slang that I think we <laughs> not a lot of us know. Yeah, it's like the Jay Z and Beyonce thing. You know what I mean? It's like if you look at the ways that they demonstrate like power mm-hmm. and things like that, it's like affiliating yourself with the Western civilizations, like most entrenched institutions, right? It's like the Louvre and then uh, and, the Louvre. And, like, yeah, and like Cartier yeah, yeah. and Tiffany and things like that, which is like, it's like, it's like, that's okay. But like, it'd be much cooler to bring other, like, like bring your thing. Like I thought what Jay-Z did with Rocka, like Rocka wear was actually more interesting. Yeah. Right. All right. Next one. All right. <laughs> uh, moving on. A, Thank you for that. Thanks that for down. that though. No, that I enjoyed good. that. Fucking this sound. I'm glad I picked it now. Clear clear the board. Clear the board. Let's go. Red seven for me. Red seven. Come on. Come on. Seven. Look at number seven. Justin? I'm what you got? I'm going 
Ja. Black 15. <lacht> yeah. you, you froze a tiny bit right before you actually said the words and it was the best facial expression. Okay. Round and round goes. Here we go. Yeah! yeah! Oh. <laughs> yes! Yeah! <laughs> ah, yes! I won! All right, fans. Um, duh. I don't know how you're going to send me a six pack because I'm not going to give you my address. Uh, but you can send it to the LPN place. <laughs> send me a six pack. Oh my God, I want them so happy. This is exactly what I do at the casino. I kind of run around a little bit, I scream. It's fantastic. But I'm so happy this oh, happened because. Oh. I'm even oh, happier yeah. than you that this happened because I was so <laughs> excited for the possibility of landing on Jane Buckingham. Let's do it. Tell us about Jane, Jane Buckingham is exactly who you think somebody named Jane Buckingham would be. For starters, <laughs> I just a picture for you. Can you describe her for us? She's if a glass of Chardonnay was a whole human. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I guess some of our audiences will be able to see the picture that's up and some of us won't, but this is a like a tall uh, Uma Thurman looking white woman uh, yeah. with girl boss wallpaper behind her. She is just, she looks like she's a power monster. Here we go. She is a owner of a marketing company geared towards young adults. And she's also the author of a self-help book uh, for women, which I pulled up some excerpts from to read to you guys. If you'll just give me a minute to find them on my phone. Yeah. So this is a cool mom, girl boss like, hey, sister, kind of person. This is, uh, this, is, that, this is one of these Instagram hustler peoples that is out here yeah. giving up bad advice. I can't wait to see like how bad This is. is like the kind of person who's like promoting like wellness, versus, like goop level wellness, you know? She was like big into the Atkins diet when that was a trend, and now she's all into like breath therapy and stuff is my grasp of her. <laughs> breath therapy. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. All right. All right. All right. Introduction. You can stop me. You can tell me when to stop. But like I could go okay. on in this introduction of her book, The Modern Girl's Guide to Life uh, for as, as long as you'll let me. So stop me when you want me to stop. Introduction. All right. This is hard to admit, but I know very little. Well, that's not exactly true. I know a lot about finding a good job, getting ahead in business and dealing with corporate politics. I've started and sold one successful company and someday may start another. I can tell you the designer must have boots for the season and which knockoffs look exactly the same, but I won't watch Nigella Lawson, Katie Brown, or any other kitchen maven because they terrify me and I live in fear that my mother-in-law will recognize my complete failings as a wife and mother and encourage my fabulous husband to dump me for someone who majored in home ec. I want to die. I dread the day... My son asks me whether all families eat out of Chinese food containers three nights a week. So no matter how many promotions I get, no matter how adorable the family photos, no matter how witty the cocktail conversation, I will always feel like a failure. And I'm not the only one. This new dirty little secret pervades women in their 20s and 30s. While my generation was being bred to be superwomen and shoot up the corporate ladder, no one bothered to teach us how to clean the ladder, fix the broken rungs, or look presentable when we reach the top. 
I blame my mother. Now, mind you, she couldn't have been a better mother. She gave me confidence and education, ambition, and unconditional love. She just refused to teach me how to iron. I have to stop. I'm going to stop here. It is awful. Yeah, yeah, awful. This is... That just made me sad. Yeah. Because this is somebody who is like a, a girl boss, but she feels inadequate because she still doesn't fulfill like patriarchy yeah like 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 traditional yeah. patriarchy it's like the it's like i don't know i i don't i almost feel bad for her actually when i kind of hear something like that because my book if i were a real girl boss would be like uh i pay people to clean for me and if my kids don't like eating out of a chinese container then they can get real aids and go to <laughs> usc <laughs> also like too much takeout when has that ever been a bad thing like this woman is probably worth like millions of dollars herself like this is nice ass chinese takeout if her kid's complaining that's them what is wrong yeah it's it's like the, the Something like this reads to me, it's like how you can be a victim of a system and then perpetuate it. You know what I mean? Like, it's like you're mad at your feminist mom from the 60s yeah. for not teaching you how to cook and clean. And iron. Because she, encur- yeah, cause she, cause she encouraged you to become the economically independent success that you are. And you're angry at her for not. But, but also to me, again, just to go back to this point, this is to me, this is an indictment. Of the level of society that these people are trying to assimilate to. Like, it's like, it's still so much about, like, linking yourself to the right man mm. and all these things. It's like, it's it's totally this dark side yeah. of... It's it's like the it's it's like the way patriarchy can even co-opt like women in the workplace, right? Because they're not complete and this is kind of like my critique of like sex in the city, right? It's like women that have all of this money, all of this access, but their only true fulfillment as a person is through a man, yeah. you know? And it's just like Awful. to me it's like so sad. Yeah, it's like it's like the Sopranos even, right? Mm. You know how like women stay in toxic relationships, like Carmela takes all of these things because her whole thing is about being with a man right but the real woman like angie like after you know pussy is dead angie is going out and putting her real money in the street she represents real independence but the housewife mentality doesn't respect that yeah wait who sorry who's carmella tony soprano's it's tony's wife. wife oh okay 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 sorry <laughs> so she spent uh 35 grand to key worldwide um Oh, but she was supposed to spend 50, but law enforcement busted her before she could do it. Uh, so her daughter took the ACT, uh, and uh, Mark Riddell changed the answers. Uh, her son, on the other hand, though, was going to fly to Houston to take the test, then got tonsillitis. So a key Worldwide Foundation employee did the test instead. I can't, this whole taking the test for someone blows my fucking mind. But then here's the worst part about what she did, and this is what I think makes her a failure. She <laughs> made her son take a practice test at home, making him believe it was the real That's test. So sad. He al- she also directed her son to send a handwriting sample to Singer so they could match his handwriting for the signature section. Oh, my God. This, again, like, I know your mom didn't teach you how to iron, but someone would have told you to go to therapy. I think you would have maybe avoided something like this. You know, she's done fundraisers with Will Ferrell, with all these like famous celebrities and stuff like that. I was reading about her. I mean, she's all over the place. She's done so much. 
net worth $40 million. I mean, this is insane. And for all the money that they spent, right? If she sends that amount of donation, instead of flying your kid to Houston, like, because it's all about getting into it. I would love to see the schools, right? But it's like, there is another level of elite school. It's like, hey, if you just wrote a check to like Rice University for $40,000, yeah, then your in. kid goes to an elite school in Houston. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, and there's just, it's just like, there's so many better ways of doing all of this. My son got tonsillitis. So he couldn't take the ACT? Three weeks in prison. I think I took I took I, I took the GRE hungover. It was the electronic. So you're version. a very smart man. Yeah, I don't think you should be the like guidepost that yeah, we're measuring. You can't be the against. metric, dude. You're a PhD. You wrote you a can't. book. That's not not yeah. everyone writes books. Except for apparently yeah, you, this woman does write books. You got glasses. You can't you can't talk about yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. You have intellectual. Well, but, but, but you're taking the online version, just click. <laughs> It's like as I was saying, the online they have online versions of these tests where you take it in a room. It's like you couldn't sit there and click. Like, ugh. it's <sighs> awful. All right, let's Jane Buckingham. Thank you. Uh, I won, guys. I won. We won. We won with this. We won with this one. The, we all won. Yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Getting to learn a little bit right. about how to be a modern woman now. Should we do a couple more? Yeah. <laughs> all right. Next one. I'm gonna pick um, 22. I'm gonna go with 22. 22. Justin? I'm going black eight. Nice. <laughs> nice to be an R&B group. Ooh, I was so close. Ooh, yeah, yeah, four. Black four. Ah, yes, another okay. one. Okay, so for the listeners who can't see the screen, there were particular people who I was really hoping we would land on. And Black Four is Gregory and Marsha Abbott, who have some of the most um, audacity of any of one that I've read about in this case. Okay. So break it down. What's going on with Gregory and Marsha Abbott? Gregory Abbott was the founder and chairman of a international dispensing company, so like food packaging. Oh. Uh, and then he also had like a pantyhose and underwear manufacturing business. And then Marsha Abbott was the daughter of a former state senator in New York and formerly the fashion editor at Family Circle magazine. So the family spent $125,000 to Key Worldwide Foundation uh, to have Rick Singer arrange for... Mark Riddell change the answers. Mark Riddell to change the answers, yeah. So if their daughter scored 23 on her own oh. with the Proctor's sort of like leg up, she... She got all the way up to 35, and it's out of 36 for those of you who don't really remember or haven't taken the ACT. 23 is not a very good score. That's all. (laughs) Like, on the ACT, like, I remember on the- That's not that bad. That is not that bad. I mean, it's not the worst, but I remember, but I'm saying, like, I got, like, a zero on the math section, and I think got higher than a 23. But I'm, I'm, yeah. Again, you are not the bellwether. No, No, but but I'm saying I got, like, I think it was, like, an 18 on the math section. So I'm just saying, it, a 23 is okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying it's the worst. What did you guys get on the ACTs? Uh, I think I was low 30s or something like that. I think I didn't do. I I couldn't get into elite schools and stuff like that. Hmm. I think it was low like 30s is good. Maybe though. high 20s, maybe. So I don't know, something like that. But you know, I, I applied to like NYU and stuff. I didn't get in. Uh, Justin, what'd you get? Uh, I got high, like the reading and all that stuff, super high. And on the math score, they were like, "You need to go back to fourth grade." Yeah, that was yeah. the ACT's <laughs> recommendation. It that was, was like, the opposite for me. Yeah, math, I always did really well. 
It's funny, too, because my dad, when we went to NYU to visit, my dad, uh, he actually went up to the uh, guy and he's like, here's $5. Help my son get into school, please. And it didn't work. I can't imagine. <laughs> it didn't work. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today Cena can I have you read the uh summary for the book that Greg Abbott wrote oh yeah absolutely this is a novel that we found I thought it had to do with like his like wait um, this is a novel yeah 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 this I thought that this was about like his pantyhose business yeah but instead it's actually just a love story inspired by what oh, I, I mean is, I imagine inspired by his great collateral marketing you know you build the universe kind of metaverse of of pantyhose I'm into it okay a charming adrenaline-packed love story sheer pressure follows Alex Hallaby and Emily Lucas two 30-year-olds mostly encumbered by money and family as they struggle through a social and business snake pit to become fully realized adults I think that was all one sentence, by the way. Alex, the playboy son of a pantyhose magnate, loves his father but loves loathes working for him, but is soon thrust by circumstances into the arena where the stakes are all or nothing. Emily's marriage to mega million mega millionaire art collector Charles Lukes lacks passion and respect, and her overpowering attraction to Alex threatens to destroy the lives and dreams of many. While treachery abounds, two parallel universes threaten to collide with untold consequences. Sheer pressure definitely <laughs> captures the world worlds of Upper East Side Manhattan and big business with unique flair, offering a bona fide insider's perspective. <sighs> While lampooning upper crust New York society, especially its women and high-powered moguls, sheer pressure is a romantic romp that buzzes along with high humor, terrific hairpin turns, and unpredictable twists. And a surprise ending. Wow, that was excellent. You should be a narrator. God, that was. I hated reading all that, but it was. They they did. A, it was fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of buzzwords in there. A lot of buzzwords. Yeah. The ending is still a surprise because no one's ever finished the book. <laughs> <laughs> he just made it up. It's got. Well, it's got twenty ratings, twenty reviews on Amazon, and they're all good. I'm just saying. I just think it's funny that like this book is supposed to be quote-unquote lampooning upper crust New York society. Yeah. That's, uh, <laughs> I also like all the, like, where it's, all these things, it's like consequences, unseen. It's like, well, if you're in a loveless, happily marriage, so you could just, like, get a divorce and then date someone else, especially, especially if you don't have kids. That's like. <laughs> that's a boring <laughs> pantyhose book, though. You got to have it a little spicy. You got to spice it up, though. Well, it's like, you know, it, it's just like how if you take anything and then you make it rich people, then it becomes interesting. Like, you take that same story, and it's just like, this guy works at a pantyhose factory, and he's super attracted to a woman that is married to the middle management at a telemarketing company. Everybody's like, this book stinks. You know? Like, no, it's the exact same story, but it's just like, but setting in the Upper East Side somehow makes it interesting to people. 
Because it's like we we like to see rich people behave badly. Clearly. I think what we're also talking about here is how clueless these two are and how uh, uh, unable to see what's right in front mm-hmm. of them. Apparently in court, Marsha Abbott, when she was charged with, uh, you know, fraud and conspiracy, said, quote, I, I, I don't know how I could have committed bribery. I don't know what I don't know what this is about. <laughs> and so the the couple. OK, get this. OK, so when you are on trial you get letters of support given to the court before, you know, you get sentenced and stuff like that. You also do, like, victim impact statements, right? So, like, the, the, that man, the, the, the victim can say stuff, but you can also have the other side as well. So the couple got letters of support from, from friends, maybe? From heads of state, perhaps? Uh, perhaps, like, a local priest or rabbi of some kind. No, they got letters of support from their two, to count them, two housekeepers, as well as their French-trained architect and decorator, who said, quote, they were kind enough to ask me to build and decorate their home in Aspen and later their New York apartment. (laughs) Isn't that incredible? No, but it's exactly what I'm talking about. It's like, we assure you we're very rich. That's all that, that's that's literally all that. How do you not have a friend? How do you not have a friend that can write a letter for you? That's sad. That's cool. They got a lot of prison time too. Eight months each yeah. in prison. One year supervised release. Forty five thousand dollar fine, which is nothing for them. Two hundred fifty hours community service. Eight months is not is no joke. Who decided that the housekeepers would be the best letters of support? Were they trying to show that they have people in their orbit? who are coming these are the kinds of people that watch Shit's creek and they're like it's a drama right it's it's a drama is or you know what i mean like yeah or, or they don't get that succession is actually a comedy like yeah they, they, they you know that's the kind of shit that's that's here I, I also like the idea of your housekeeper it's like here is this person that like on the probability scale uh is pr- probably from like another country and they're economically linked to me so i had them write this hostage letter yeah. it's like yeah I mean, it's just like the lack of self-awareness involved in all of this these are very likable people is what is what i'm i'm saying it was melissa corn and jennifer levitz whose book this came from the quote about their architect writing their letter of support and beautiful they included uh the quote that was like they were kind enough to ask me to build and decorate their home in aspen and later their new york apartment that's just a job that's not nice that's just your job that is literally just being hired for a job. That's not a favor. But Hazel, of all the French-trained architects in the world, they chose me. Fuck. Yeah, I just like. I'm like, if they ask me to do this, I, I'd be like, "Are you asking me to for your crime trial? You're asking me to write you <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm Wait, trying so to open small business. Can we handle this invoice first, please, though, before we? Yeah. Uh, before yeah. I- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like I have an architect, like, and I could never imagine. Hey, I'm going to go on trial. Can you say that? Uh, I hired you as a way to show I'm not a criminal. Yeah. You're French, right? That's foreign. I'm good with foreigners. Can I just have you describe Gregory and Marsha Abbott for our yeah, audience? Yeah, let's see these two. These packaging moguls. Oh, wow. Wow. The the Gregory does look like, uh, what's his name from Success? He looks like his old chubby white dude. Yeah. Wow. They look, I mean, wh- how do you describe mayonnaise? <laughs> I don't know how to, how do you do that? They're just, How do they're, you do they're that? the people that you see, like, yeah, like Central Park East kind of like walking out of those buildings. You know what I mean? It's like, ah, oh, it's, it's, it's so brutal. So brutal, right? That's, I felt the same. Look, he's got the same glasses you do. He's got the oh, tortoise glasses. Don't ever. You have to throw those away now. <laughs> I'm not throwing these away. 
This is baller. <laughs> the baller glasses I got on. All right. Oh, this okay. guy. All right. All right. Uh, we can keep going. Last one here. And then I think we'll, we'll try to do <laughs> the rest of them and maybe some happy hours mm-hmm. if you're part of our community text line, 412-285-1255. Hit us up. Uh, we'll do these happy hours throughout the season. Okay, let's clear the board. Clear the board. Clear the board, Hazel. Here we go. Uh, last one here. Big money, big money, big money. Mm. So I'm going to do something. Uh, the great comedian Kevin Barnett, the late great comedian Kevin Barnett, when he would go to the casino, he would bet on black and odd because that's what he said he was, black and Aww. odd. And so uh, Bird Luger for life. I'd like to put two chips down, one on the color black, the little black diamond there, and then one on odd. All right. All right. All right. I think Eddie, uh, I feel like Eddie told me that. I don't know. Justin? I want to stay with that tribute. I'm going to go 17. All right. Red 14. We lost all over the place on that. All right. So 14. 14. Oh, this is also a good one. Oh, this is so good. This is oh, so Doug good. Oh, Doug Hodge, yeah. This guy uh, was the former CEO of Pacific Investment Management Company. PIMCO, huge company. He paid $525,000 to <laughs> Key Worldwide Foundation uh, and $75,000 to Donna Heinel. So, so a few kids, right? Uh, three kids. Oldest daughter was accepted to Georgetown as a mm, tennis recruit. Her application indicated that she won multiple USTA tournaments, but in reality, USTA records show that Hodges' daughter never even played in a USTA match. Let me tell you something, folks. I'm a little first-gen immigrant. Uh, My parents are immigrants. I'm a first-gen American kid. I played tennis because my mom literally wanted me to be a champion. The pressure that she, or the, the energy that she put into me being a tennis player and being a great tennis player all the time. You are the next Agassi, Sina. You will be champion. Let me just tell you, people. I, one year when I was playing, I lost 14 straight tournaments in the first round, okay? I kept playing. I lost more tennis matches than most kids have ever played tennis matches. And I still was ready to play in college until I realized, if I've been losing this much, why don't I just try stand-up comedy? And that was actually a much better decision for my life Mm. (laughs) but it's so upsetting that something again easily checked but middle daughter was accepted at usc as a soccer recruit that was a classic donna hennel move um and her application listed among other things that she was co-captain of the japanese national soccer team oh my god God. Wait, what 16-year-old is the co-captain of the Japanese? I mean, all nationals, all national championship tournament team. Oh my god, the middle dot. Oh, fuck these people. Younger son was accepted to USC as a football recruit. Oh, I can't wait. Actually, he had two athletic profiles submitted for him, one for football and one for tennis. You see a lot of football tennis crossovers. Uh when you see that Deion Sanders actually elected not to play tennis because uh, he didn't want they didn't want to wear white at Wimbledon. Uh, that's a true story because we're a research based podcast <laughs> listed. Uh, the youngest son was listed as the team captain and All-American despite only playing his freshman year. Oh, my God. Couldn't find any action shots of him playing. So the picture they submitted in his athletic profile was actually his brother. 
He actually did play tennis. He was on varsity, but his athletic profile listed him as All-American, which he was not. Okay, so he's a lot of fake athletic children. (laughs) Sina, if you would like to read some of this Wall Street Journal op-ed that he wrote after being sentenced. You want to read the whole thing or just read the first paragraph or something like that? Honestly, I was looking for the best select to pull, but they're all good. Early on the morning of March 12th, 2019, my cell phone rang with a number I didn't recognize. A woman identified herself as an agent of the Federal Bureau of Investigation and told me I was going to be charged with two counts of fraud. She said I needed to report to the nearest FBI office as soon as possible. Honestly, I thought it was a prank. Once it became clear that it wasn't, I asked her to identify herself and repeat her message. As I threw my things together and headed for the airport, I wasn't thinking, oh no, they've caught me. To the contrary, I was thinking, this has to be some kind of mistake. Yes, I had engaged Rick Singer to help with college admissions process for my children, (laughs) a process, but I was certain that I had not committed any crime. I was wrong. I flew to Boston and turned myself in to the U.S. Marshals. So he pleaded guilty. So he took some sort of deal. Uh, He pleaded guilty to two counts, money laundering conspiracy and conspiracy to commit mail and wire fraud and honest services mail and wire fraud to nine months in prison. Woo! Here's another little segment. Mr. Singer presented himself as a do-gooder, but it was all a lie. There was no good at the heart of his mission, only greed. And my participation, says the guy running the largest bond manager in the world. No greed at that guy. I'm sure this does not, no greed has never entered into this man's mind ever in his career. That's that's exactly how you get to be in that position. Oh, yeah. It's the regular boys and girls club down at his office. Yeah. And look at this next, next sentence. As a person who values honesty and integrity, I failed. I failed to scrutinize the application process as carefully as I should have. I failed to ask tough questions, and I looked the other way on questionable behavior that I never would have tolerated in my business career. I bought into what I thought was a win-win-win, a win for the universities, for my children, and other people's children. Of course, it was too good to be true. (laughs) On the outside, I wanted to believe. On the inside, I knew better. So wait, so on the inside, you knew better. Like, literally, you knew this was illegal. Like you, 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 the little voice people inside of your head is usually one that says, this is wrong. You probably shouldn't do it. And people with honesty and integrity usually listen to the little voice in their head. That is usually how honesty works. All right, so that wraps up Froster's Roulette. You know, one of the things we haven't talked about in this series too much at all because, are the victims because there weren't really any true direct victims of this obviously society is a a victim at large the kids that couldn't get into those schools because some other kid took their spot they are victims as well but when you're doing a fraud case you're doing some sort of you know case like this and you're trying to figure out the sentencing and stuff usually you measure by the amount of harm that was done when you can't do that here it gets really tough so you know let's go back to just just to close this out here Melissa and Jennifer, uh, let's go back to them again. Just talk about who the victims really were in this whole thing. Could either of you articulate who the victims are? And if you could tell me like an individual or a person, a specific person that you could point to and say that person is a victim of this thing. Yeah, I'll jump on that. I I think um, the the victims of this are are all the families who are out there trying to get into college the right way without a hook or a connection or a Rick Singer or writing a big check and 
trying to bribe somebody, uh, just to try to do things the, the right way. Um, so those are the, the victims. I mean, um, it's at the end of the day, like college is, they only have a certain number of slots at these colleges. I mean, maybe they could, you know, fudge around and up or down it a little bit, but it's, you know, it's, it's a bus that's going by with a certain number of seats and some kids are going to get on and some are not. Maybe they go on and have a great life somewhere else, but they didn't get to go here and someone else did. So people who get to go should, should deserve it. That's sort of like the, the way. So I think those are the victims. There were people that they used, they used photos of kids who were actually real life athletes. Yeah, that's my water polo photo that they used <laughs> yeah. to get. So, upsetting. Oh, I thought you were the pole vaulter. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've got, I've built like a pole vaulter. That is true. I mean, the, the, the pole vaulter was a, a real kid in Texas who had spent years trying to better himself at the state finals. Ugh. His family, so sad. they were just regular, you know, they didn't have a lot of money and they would give him lessons somewhere and he was driving 70 miles a week and oh. shoveling hay and, you know, working through injuries. I mean, to be an, a high school athlete, if you played tennis or you did something seriously, you know, like all how hard that is. And so the final shot was him winning gold at States. And it was just like muscles rippling. And when you got the backstory of what went into that shot, the whole school drove hours and hours to see him. And then for somebody with like the clip, a clip to take that. As one of the high school principals said, who's he had a student whose picture got stolen. He's like, imagine somebody just coming in and plagiarizing your life. Oh, thank you for that. That, that really does hit home for me. Melissa? Yeah, there's one other set of victims. And I use that word a little lightly here. I don't think, I don't quite know what to call them, but let's say the the intended beneficiaries who did not end up benefiting from this at all. And those are some of the, the kids who got into these schools through, via fraud, right? They, many of them were in the dark. Many of them did not know what their parents were doing. And they f- found out with the rest of the world, in many cases, uh, you know, because they saw headlines and the FBI showed up at their house early that morning to arrest their parents And now they have to go through the rest of life with an asterisk attached to their name. And yes, they will be fine, right? They're coming from a lot of privilege. They have means. They're going to continue on. Many of them are continuing on at other colleges or kind of figuring out their lives or because the scheme was going on for so long, had already graduated from college by the time this all came out. But their names will forever be associated with this scandal, whether or not it's deserved. And I do feel a little bit of, I do feel a little bit bad for some of them. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's just, it's not where you want to be. It's, I mean, it's, it's humiliating. I mean, we thought a lot about that, like about, about even trying to reach out to them and being careful because, you know, the shame and the tension um, that some of them went through and just having everybody look at them like you weren't smart enough to do this on your own. And when, you know, certainly some of them, many of them were, um, their parents just and the loss of that the the deterioration of that relationship with their parents, right? I mean, Matteo Sloan said it best with just kind of a, "Why didn't you believe in me?" Ugh. Right? And how can you go through the rest of your life knowing that your parents were telling you that you were doing a great job and then trying to, you know, cheat your way in on the side? Well, it's good they'll be able to afford the therapy. For <laughs> yeah. the <end> of the day. <laughs> That's really going to be the tough one. <laughs> 
want to thank Melissa and Jennifer again for their time and for being on the show. So amazing. And I agree. I did for a lot of this feel bad for the, the kids that, you know, were lied to by their parents because that's some real trauma that they went through. The kids that knew what was happening. Fuck y'all. Uh, <laughs> you got what's coming to you. I hope you get dragged on social media. <laughs> but Justin, what do you think? Listen, uh, you know, I have a young child and I, I, I want and I will provide the best for my son. Um, but there's just a right way and the wrong way to do things. And there's also more than one door. It's like they, these people all took shortcuts. Yeah. There's a right way to do things. It's OK to go to like a top state school and then you know, go to a better grad school once you work your way up. These people took all the shortcuts. So I don't really, I don't have any sympathy for these people. And also they won't come and hang in Newark. And so they don't get to come into any of my barbecues or anything. So these people all stink. Uh, and what they do is very, is, is much more serious than you think, you know, like, it's like, like, you know, like what we were saying, they, they, they took up spots from people that really were trying to get into these places and worked as hard as they could. And like real athletes that had sacrificed blood, sweat and tears in their respective sports training mm. to get a spot mm. on some of these athletic teams, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's awful. Hazel, how'd you feel about this? You're, you're not too far out of college. I think that private institutions sort of like uh, creating this sense of prestige is the the biggest red flag in all of this. You bring up a good point because I think, and we've talked about this a little bit in the series, is that you know the privatization of education or the commoditization of it, if you will, yeah. has become such a huge business. I mean, the, the hundreds of millions of dollars is poured into it. Look at all the federal student loans that people are pulling out. Yes. The federal government yeah. doesn't say, hey, is this university worth a federal student loan no the student goes into the school applies for the student loan the government says we're going to give you this money so now you have this whole system that is just a perpetual loop because we create this need for status with your college education the cost of education goes up the government gives you those loans people come out of college and sometimes they can't pay for it and then they have to default on those loans now the government's on the hook for a lot of these loans so the student loan situation or the, the you know, cost of college education is absurd yeah. and i you know i think we've talked about you know i know ben kissel has talked about this on his show college isn't for everybody you know not just a you don't have to go to a, like a fancy private school but yeah. find find out what works for you find out what your skill is what your contribution is what you want to do what's your purpose in life to a certain extent right it doesn't have to be one singular thing I mean, what do you want to be doing with your life that makes you that makes it meaningful i want to give a big shout out to the state university of new york stony brook where i got my phd uh, I have a job as a professor, and I have not made a student loan payment since 2007 or something like that. Hell yeah. I did not run up any debt. I want to give a big shout out to them. And let me tell you something. If you're in New York City, please send your kids to the City University of New York. Our high tax dollars keep the tuition relatively low. They'll be in there with me. They'll be in good hands. They'll be educated for leadership. You don't need to pay to say that... <laughs> <laughs> Your son is the greatest football player in the history of Texas high school football to get him into uh, UCLA or whatever. Just bring him right down. Bring him to City College right uptown. All right, everyone. Thank you for that. I'm Cena now at Cena now on all social media. Justin Williams at Justin Williams Comedy on Instagram. This is our series. Season two. We're here. We're a new home with Stitcher. We love it. You know, goodbye, Spotify exclusive. Hello, world. We are here. We're here to stay. Uh, again, hit us up on our community text line, 
412-285-1255. I want to plug the book, Unacceptable Privilege, Deceit, and Making of the College Admissions Scandal by Melissa Korn and Jennifer Levitz. And now that we're actually on all the platforms, please go on to all of them and rate and review us, okay? So go on there, give us all the stars, give us all the love. Uh, It helps us. If you want us to be doing this forever, we literally need you to do that. That is how this economy works, the attention economy. So we need you to go and do that, so we appreciate it. If you don't want to send me a six-pack, go and rate and review us, because all the listeners here owe me a six-pack for hitting on seven. (laughs) All right, big thanks to Hazel Bryan, of course, for being on the show today and producing this wonderful uh, roulette and all the other episodes that we do. Thanks for having me. Fraudsters is a production of Zero Cool Media and Last Podcast Network. Ian Brannon is our editor. Our associate producer is Anna Laranaga. Emily Fusco is our researcher. Our legal intern, big thanks, Greg Fingerhut. Our theme music is by Simon Tafik. And music in this episode was composed by Chris Olson. See you next time.